what God's been putting on our hearts. Uh, Mike, you got another video or is that for the ending? Okay, that's what I thought. I want to make sure. I don't want to step on your video. Amen. All right, so we're going to open up and we're going to talk a little bit about um, praying and, and uh, when you're in trouble, what are you supposed to do? Well, turn to Psalms 142. Psalms 142. This is a psalm, and my Bible says the headline to it, David shows that his troubles are his, his trouble is, I can't even read. David shows that in his trouble, all his comfort was in prayer unto God. Okay, and this is a prayer of David when he was in a cave. Did you know David lived in a cave for a while? He was a king. He'd already been anointed to be king. He was running for his life, and he had to spend some time in a cave to keep Saul from trying to kill him. Let's just read. It's only seven verses. Let's just read the, the uh, 142nd Psalm. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before God. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have thy privately laid a snare for me. I looked on the right hand, and beheld, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought low, I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now here we got David, and I want to kind of give you just a reminder, background of what's going on. He had already, King Saul had been his king. You know, that's pretty cool, isn't it? He was supposed to be God's man at that time. Of course, Israel wanted a king, and the prophet said, Oh, you don't want a king. You don't know what kings do to people. You know what they do? They take your kids and make them serve in the army. They tax you on how much property you got. They figure out what, how much you got in your pocket, and they take most of it. Hadn't changed much, has it? And then there's a lot of things going on, and King Saul got in trouble with God, and he knew he was in trouble with God. And actually, God secretly, through Samuel, had anointed David to be king after Samuel was taken off the throne. He, God wanted to remove him because he had failed to obey God. He failed to do the things God asked him to do. And of course, in, through all of this, we get a lot of stories about David. David was uh, the one that took on Goliath. Remember that story, don't you? And so uh, uh, in that, uh, uh, King Saul said, anybody that'll take on uh, Goliath and win so we don't have to bow to the Philistines and give us victory over the Philistines. Now, you know what I'm going to give him? I'm going to give him a great big gold chain. He's going to look like Mr. T. 
And then I will give him my daughters to wife. Wow, how about that? You would think all those young military men that weren't married would be thankful to have a daughter like the king's daughter. And then he said, not only that, your dad's not going to have to pay any more taxes as long as he lives. Man, that's a lot of prestige to get that. David wanted to make sure you could read it in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. David said, let me get this straight. Would you repeat that? And they repeated it. He said, wow, that's pretty good. Why aren't you guys lining up to do this? And they're all standing there scared to death of Goliath because he's about nine feet tall and, and he knows anybody goes down that valley is going to get uh, ripped to shreds by him. So David says, I'll take care of it because you guys are looking at it wrong. It's not my battle. The battle's the Lord's. I'm just going down to do my part. And of course, you know how it went. So the king uh, re was replaced. Uh, God uh, done away with him. Uh, and, and Daniel was anointed. After his anointing, things went pretty well before Saul. Now Saul got to the place where he couldn't even sleep. He just felt bad all the time because he wasn't the king he should have been. So they, to get him to sleep, they said, I got, you, I got a guy that plays the harp really well. And he sings pretty good, kind of like Brother Dude. So he can play and sing and will put you right to sleep. So he went in and auditioned, and the king enjoyed it. And man, he slept like a baby. So he hired David just to be his singer at bedtime, sing him a lullaby to put him to sleep. And after he gets to sleep, <clears throat> he didn't want David to leave because he got such good sleep. He said, I think I'll make you one of my armor bearers. So he got to live with the king. He got to serve under the king. He got to eat at the king's table. And yet, after a while, the king kind of knew something was up, even though he couldn't put his finger on it. And he knew it was all because of David. David had settled him down, but yet he knew it's kind of like the calm before the storm. And he knew David was up, and he asked for one of his armor bearers to give him a javelin. You know what a javelin is? It's a spear. But you throw him like an arrow, kind of. Only you don't have a bow to shoot it. You throw it. And if you throw it right, it's got a real sharp point on it. It'll go clear through a fella. And so while they were sitting at David, uh, David was sitting at the king's table eating dinner, he grabbed the javelin and fired it at David. Whoosh! David's pretty fast, though. He give him one of those quick numbers, like a halfback going around a sweep. Yeah, like that. And, uh, and then the spear stuck in the wall. David knew he was in trouble. Of course, that's kind of... This is leading up to the background of this particular song that we read to you. Now Saul knows, or David knows, Saul wants him dead. So he is on the run doing his things and trying to get away from him. He goes out, and I don't know what you think about it, but David still being young, and Saul takes his army and tries to track him down and hunt him, and David goes into a cave in those days. Now, I don't know all that much about the area. I guess it's around Jerusalem and, and that particular area. Uh, I know there's not too many places you can hide there, and I don't even know 
there must be some bears around that area, wouldn't you think? The only reason I say that is because David, while he was watching his sheep one time, practiced for his Goliath attack by killing a lion and a bear. Isn't that something? Well, if you look at Jerusalem on the TV screen today and what's going on over there, you don't really see a whole lot of trees. Did you ever notice that? Hmm. They're just not there. They, uh, they're just not a good place to put trees in, I guess. And now if there's lions and bears, where do you think they would go? Oh, they would hide, and especially in the winter, the bears would want to hibernate in a cave. Here goes David trying to run from the army and from the king, and he goes into this particular cave, and I would have thought, man, that wouldn't have been the last place I'd wanted to go. I'd try to outrun him before I'd go in there. He went in, of course, in the cave. You can imagine it's pretty dark in there. It's not a good place to go, but uh, the, the deep-seated root of jealousy that Saul had pushed him to go after him. Several times he tried to kill David out of a jealous rage, and finally it was an all-out assault, and the king wanted to eliminate David. But God um, used one of Saul's sons to protect David, and his best friend was a guy named Jonathan, and that was Saul's son, and they would work together, and they had a code, kind of like when you call on the football. They call plays, they do all this stuff, or third base coach does to the guy on first base when he wants him to steal. Uh, he'd give him a code, and well, they had a code, and uh, when the Saul was looking for David, whether it was okay to come in to get something to eat, or whether you better run for your life, they had a code where he'd shoot an arrow. If he shot it over David's head, that means you better run. Or if he shot it in front of him, he'd say, it's okay to come in. Well, there came, came a time when Saul was hot and heavy after David. He shot the arrow, it went over, and David took off. Of course, we know he went to a, uh, a cave, and, and uh, while he was in there on the mountainside, and and Saul and his army was hot on his tail after him. When he got there, why, uh, Saul had to go to the restroom. That happens. So he just happened to be at the cave. Well, guys, hold up here. I, I got to go in here for a minute. And uh, he steps into the cave to, I guess, relieve himself. And while he's in there, David sees him, but he doesn't see David. And David wants to prove his point that he doesn't have to be afraid of him. God can protect him. David sneaks up to him and takes a knife and cuts part of him of his garment off. And uh, he, then he leaves. Okay, so uh, during this time, David could see the king was on, not on his side and that David needed protection from God and his army. That was a time that God told him, you need to be more prayerful. Amen? That's where Psalm 142 came in. And from that time on, David learned that praying could be effective. So while Saul was standing at the entrance of the cave in the Psalms in verse number 7, he's calling it prison. You know, sometimes prison can protect you from things. Do you know that? And so uh, he's there, and when the, you think about a cave, 
There's no back door to a cave. Only one way in and one way out. You've got to be protected by something. And with Saul's army all around him, which David refers to in verse 6 as his persecutors, looks like a good time to pray. When you're surrounded by an army that's trying to kill you, a king that doesn't want anything to do with you, it's about time we look to the Lord for our help. Looks like uh, a good time to put your faith, your hope, and your trust in the God that anointed you to be what you need to be for him. In times like these, it's good to know who is the one that can show mercy. And in this case, it certainly wasn't the king. You know, one thing I've learned about pastoring, if you would, you know where I learned most of my pastoring? I learned it by other pastors. Isn't that something? I've watched a lot of pastors while I was pastoring. And some of them I saw do things that I thought, man, that's not very smart. Or I would, don't think I'd ever want to do that. And then I saw something. Wow, that was brilliant. I need to be more like that. And so you can balance the good and the bad. And what did kind of king do you think David would be if he followed the example of the prior king? See, he would have been just as bad off or just as much, if you would, against the things that God wanted accomplished as Saul was. He knew there had to be a 180 in his life if he was going to be the king that God wanted him to be. Amen? Now, I don't know how long Saul and his armies was at the cave before they de uh, denied to... to do the things that God wanted them to do. And, and they started looking somewhere else, looking for what they could do to take care of this problem that they had. While Saul was there, David took advantage of him. Now, they were so close. How close were they? He cut part of his, cut to him off his jeans. All right. And uh, why was there no confrontation while they were in the cave that close. God had to be intervening. Had Saul felt him, had Saul seen him, if Saul had an inkling he was even there, it would have been the demise of young David. Amen? Amen. But God, he said, was my refuge. Now, refuge there, don't think that means garbage. We use that in 2023, refuge is garbage. No, it meant his protection. That's what God was doing for him there. Now, let's take a little deeper dive into this particular psalm because in verse 1, he said, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. What's supplication? That's just a fancy word. Uh, that means prayer or request. I let God know how I feel about it. You ever done that? You know, I don't know sometimes what I ought to pray, but I know who I need to pray to. I know he wants to feel my heart's beat towards him. David said, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Amen? In that cave. No way out. My enemy is armed and coming closer. And Lord, without your help, my life will soon be over. 
Saul would take advantage of this situation and think he's doing a great thing, but he doesn't know that God has anointed me king and that I'm going to fill his shoes afterwards. God's the only one that had that plan all totally in focus. God only knows how many times he stopped in his children's lives in such a time as when they were in as much trouble as David was. You know what I found out? When all fails, God never fails his people or his will. Amen? The safest place you will ever be is in the will of God. Amen? If you're in the center of God's will, God will be there to take care of you no matter what comes your way. So here we have in verse number two, it says, I poured out my complaint. Well, I don't want you to think of David as a big whining baby complainer. Amen. Got enough of those in the world, don't we? They got to tell us, well, the word complaint, I looked it up in the Strong's Dictionary. It's probably not going to mean as much as you think of how we use that word in 2023. The word means here, the complaint means to ponder means to think it over, means to meditate, means to give some time for it, to reason it out, and to pray over it. That's what the word complaint really means in the original language it was written in when David penned it here in Psalms 142. So this complaint is not that a whine, it's actually God I'm coming to you because you're my only help. Amen? When you're in a bad spot, what's your first reaction? Maybe you need to ponder a little. Maybe you need to meditate a little. Maybe you need to think it over a little and allow God's Spirit to warm your heart and talk to you a little because your first reaction probably will be a fleshly reaction. Amen? Do you tell God what your trouble is? You know, a lot of people, when they pray, it's as if God doesn't know what's going on. And they're informing God as to all the problems they got. <laughs> don't you think God knows? Sure he does. So when you pray, don't think you're informing God or telling him what the problem is. He already knows what the problem is. What you need to do is say, hey, God, how do you want me to meditate on this? What do you want me to do from this point forward to be what you want it is? A lot of us want to just say to God, why me? Oh my, I've got it so rough. Why now? It's just not a good time for this, God. I don't know what to do. Or you may even say, God, where are you? Have you ever prayed that? Yeah, I imagine most of us have crossed that bridge once in a while. But through that, it talks in verse 3 that he was overwhelmed. Now, I don't know, overwhelmed means a lot to some of us. And there are times when... I realize there's nothing I can do with some circumstances. And you know what? I feel overwhelmed by that. I'm sure if I had a physical picture of a man standing there with a spear and a sword and wanting to cut my head off with the army standing behind him and I'm in a cave with no back door, I might become a little bit overwhelmed. Amen? Circumstances can make us overwhelmed. The enemy is ready to trap us and eliminate us if you want to look at it that way. But in verse 4, 
He said, I looked on my right hand and I couldn't find any help there. I looked all around me. All I see is doom. Have you ever been to that place? Have you ever been where no matter which way you look, it just seems like there's no sunshine, only clouds or rain. Well, there are times when we get in those situations and sometimes we think we need to try to hide somewhere and there's no, help, no one that wants to help us. But when there's no one to help us but God, that's enough. Amen? God has an answer before you even ask. Amen? Then in verse number five, he says, uh, you are my refuge. Again, that's not trash. You're my safety was what refuge means. A safety net, a hideout, my protection. Even though my enemy is just a little past arm's reach, they can't touch me unless God says they can. Amen? God is in charge. I know they can't do anything to me without God's permission. God will give me my portion in the, in the land of the living, he says. God will see my way through this trial and I'll be blessed abundantly beyond this test or this situation that God has given me to face at this particular time. David knew who could help him because David knew who was his problem and who was his solution. We have to make sure we got that under control. When the odds are stacked against you, where are you going to turn? Amen? When the mountain seems too high to climb. Amen? When your enemies are surrounding you. <coughs> Verse 6 says, cry out to God in prayer. And watch God deliver you from your persecutors. Amen? Some of them seem stronger than you. David wasn't a very big fella. He's still young. Amen. He hasn't even grown up yet. He's still trying to get to adulthood, if you would. But and Saul was already the, um, the scripture said he was head and shoulders taller than anybody else. And as handsome as brother dude. But nonetheless, it doesn't that matter. It's whether that's the case or not, it's whether God's on your side or not. Amen? You've, you have never been faced with problems that are too hard for God. God can handle all your circumstances. David learned that. And of course, you could read the story back in, in 1 Samuel uh, all the way through about his issues with Saul. But... Uh, uh, Saul, or David said, when I'm weak, God is strong. Amen. You see, the issue in times of trouble are not whether God's strong enough, but the issue is willing to get our weakness out of his way so he can show his strength through us. We need to be concerned about what we're doing for God to allow him to work in our lives in a greater way. Now, David was kind of, um, as we would see it, uh, in a, between a rock and a hard place or in a bad spot or however you want to look at it, but David knew who he needed to pray to. So in verse 7, David prays. With all the confidence he can muster up about his situation, and he's telling God in advance, thank you, and that praise is on its way for all you do. Now, I've got to tell you, 
Every time you send a, to God what you should include, every time you pray to God, it should include thanks and praise. Not only for what he has done, but for what you know he will do. Because God is worthy of everything that you go through, that everything that God uses you to be the person you should be. Once God's released you from your prison, of course, that's what a term in verse 7 that David used there. In other words, he felt the victory that God had for him in his life. So once you've been released from that, God shows you how he can use you in the future, then you need to operate in a way that uh, shows that you're thankful and give praise to him. So prison of trial or temptations can be the things that bog us down. We need to make sure we surround ourselves with the right kind of people. And here he says, I will praise thy name. The righteous compass me about. Amen. I want to surround myself with Christians. You know why? They're not trying to stab me. They don't want to take off my head. They don't want to eliminate me. They want to support me to help me be the child of God I should be. The righteous are what's going to help us in times of that. You know, no matter how bad you've got it, some of the best things you can do is go to church. Amen. You know what the devil will tell you when you got it bad? You need to stay home and rest. You need to stay home and just kick back and just don't worry too much about that. Amen. What we need to do is go to church. Let the saints know how good God's been to you. You don't have to testify for two hours. You can just let them know by watching your life and telling them how good God has been to you as you walk the, the path he's put in your way. And you should be so glad for what God has delivered you from that you take the time to not only be a blessing to praise God and thank Him, but try to encourage other people. You know what? Other people may be going through something too. And they may need to be encouraged. And the journey that you have taken, if you would, as David's talking about here, the prison that he felt he was in and found God to be his safety, you may need to explain that to someone else that's going through, if you would, the same prison and needs the same refuge that God can be to us. Amen? Uh, now that I'm retired, when I, when I work on things or help somebody out, I always want to make sure that I don't bundle up my schedule on Thursday night or Sunday. I tell them right now, if they call me on Friday, I need my tractor now. I say, well, I'll put your name on the list. You know why? I may have a couple ahead of them, and I don't work on Sunday. I just tell them, I'm a pastor. I got other priorities. And then if you want to take your machine somewhere else, that's fine. Or if you don't mind, and I have never had anybody say, well, I'm done with you because you're a pastor. Nope, never had that. No, not at once. They've always said, I'll wait. And I said, that's God. Amen? Amen. And I try to take care of them. And, and I see the amazement on those people when I do say to them, I'm a pastor. So Thursday night's out. Sunday's out. And this week I even took Thursday off. 
Amen. Because a holiday, you know, I got to get double time if I work on a holiday. Can't, and they can't afford that. So yeah, I don't have to say anything, but what I want them to know is God gets the glory for my life. Amen. I want them to know I'm doing this for God. I'm not doing it for you. And I'm, Bonnie knows I ain't doing it for the money because uh, she don't get enough. But we need to keep working on it and find out how we can be a glory to others around us and let them know that we're still working and God can use us in a special way. Amen. When we allow God to work through us and for us, he will deal bountifully, is what he said at the end of verse number seven there, bountifully with us. Have you ever been dealt with bountifully? You know what that means? God will give you more than you can handle. More than you need, more than you want, however you want to stack it, God has more for us than we can even handle in all the things we're going through. The more I walk with God in the will of God, the more I see him bountifully working in my life and the lives of those around me. Amen? Now, we know the end of the story. David survived the cave encounter with Saul. Amen? And his life was spared. The number one enemy that came to him uh, at that cave, uh, God protected him from that and gave David the throne that he wanted him to have, and God was going to lead him throughout whatever came in his life. Was there times of problems in David's life later on? You better say, I reckon. Amen. If you read the rest of the book, you'd know that. Amen. Did David fail God? Did David sin? Did David repent? Yes. Was David or was God David's refuge? Yes, he was. Is there any battle today? Uh, is there any? Is God? any better to David in his battles than he will be to you or me in our battles. Not at all. He wants to be our refuge and strength just as much as he was to David. We need to just pray, expecting the hand of God to bless and preserve and walk with us and work with us in the kingdom that God has for us that we can be just as fruitful in our lifetime for God as David was in his lifetime for God and be all we can be for the kingdom of God's sake. That's what God wants us to do. We need to make up our mind. It's either God's way or no way. When we get to that point, God will be our refuge and he'll protect us no matter what enemies or what problems comes against us. We need to make sure we are what God wants us to be. Amen? If you do that, you need to remember Jesus will never, he never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Amen.